Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. Well, good morning. Welcome at all our campuses. Let me pray for us. Lord, I'm excited about today because I know that you've put a message on my heart that has to be shared. I wasn't even planning on uh, preaching today. It was going to be somebody else, but then you did something in our in our staff meeting on Tuesday. And so here I am in response to our team saying, you just really must stand up and you have to just tell everybody what you've shared with us, the things that God's doing inside of you, because we all need to hear that. So Lord, won't you um, bless our time now and speak through me in Jesus' name, amen. So, I want you to imagine that one morning when you get up and you uh, get your coffee and you get on your phone and you start checking your typical news apps, you uh, stop because a story pops off your phone at you and it says, churches across the country growing rapidly and leaders cannot explain why. Your curiosity is piqued by that. You read on and you decide, I'll check another app that's not maybe as sympathetic to Christian causes. And you get on that app and you read New York Times reports, a leading atheist now embraces evidence for Jesus' resurrection, offers public apologies to followers of Christ. You find yourself thinking, what is going on here? I mean, it's not that we haven't prayed for this sort of thing to happen, but it's happening. You've wanted to imagine this sort of thing could happen, but deep down you're like, nah, I don't think it ever will happen. So you switch to local news apps to see, well, what's going on in, in our greater Houston sort of area? Story pops off in Sugarland, Texas. Three rabbis cause a stir, leaving their synagogues, deciding to follow Jesus. From Clear Lake, seven Islamic imams renounce their faith, put their trust in Jesus. From Spring, Texas, Mormon leaders reject non-biblical documents in a dramatic overhaul of core beliefs. Sola scriptura, they say now. The great hope of Jesus living through a revived people seems to be happening. The prayers that people have been praying for decades, they're being answered all across the landscape. And the timing couldn't be better Lord knows that because everything on the news in the recent years has been pointing to a dramatic downturn regarding the, the spiritual influence of followers of Jesus Christ. The cultural indicators have screamed thunderously a warning that our nation is in a rapid post-Christian spiral. But as you read these news reports, you can't escape the thought, it's really happening. 
I mean, sparks are, are being kindled here in small places where people have been praying. And churches are, are actually having people coming in, not like zombies, not sort of like groggy-like and, and walking in their sleep, but like actually expecting to have gotten there on time and expecting to meet God and to hear him do something and see him do something in their midst. And it's not even like people are serving anymore, serving just because they have to sort of dredge, you gotta make the donuts, but that they're showing up and saying, no, I get to serve God because God is good and I want the message to go out. It's like rather than nodding approvingly at the tenets of the faith, it's, it's actually like people who follow Christ have tasted and seen that the Lord is good all the days in between the last time they were here. You've read about these kind of great awakenings happening before. You just wondered, could that ever happen in our land? I'm here to tell you, it could. We know that it could happen because it's what happened in the original Christian church. Back in the Bible, back in the book of Acts, this is exactly what happened when God began to start doing a new work and people were coming to Christ and it says daily the Lord was adding to their number those who were being saved. We know it could happen because it's what happened in the Wesleyan revival. One of my fascinating favorite parts of history where over in the 1700s in England, the Christians just banded together and, and things began to change for 50 years. They hit it from the top side, they hit it from the bottom side. There was small groups popping up all over the land with people getting in saying, I just need to know about Jesus, I just need to be discipled, I wanna grow, I want my soul to come to life. It was happening from the top end of society because they were putting people into office like William Wilberforce who were gonna take on the terrible things like slavery. And revival happened throughout England to the point that even the secular press would write, Something amazing is happening here. Even mean people are turning nice. It's really, it's hard to explain what is going on. It was that God was working. It happened in New York City and throughout our nation, the United States, back in the, um, in the 1800s, when a preacher named Jeremy Lamphere, one day he just, he just was discouraged about what was going on in the land and he put out a pamphlet that said, why don't you join me for prayer at noon? And he went and he waited and nobody came. But eventually he heard one person traipsing up the steps. But it was one more than he had. And so they prayed together. And then a few more people, and there were six that came along, and they prayed, God, would you do a new thing in our souls? Would you do a new thing in our land? And then eventually hundreds were coming to that daily noon prayer meeting. And eventually thousands all around the country, it was happening right here in our nation. And people were showing up to actually pray, just saying, God, we're expecting that you're going to do something. Why? Because you're good. That's the only reason why we don't really have an agenda other than that you're good and we want your goodness to be experienced here. And they say in a land that had only 30 million people, that was the size of our nation back then, a full one million of them trusted in Christ during that era. Oh, I'm here to tell you, new things can happen 
if we'll give ourselves over to God and the things that he wants to do in us. I know it because I've seen it in my own life. Because <laughs> I remember when, when I was 32, seeing a guy who showed up in this community with no people and hardly any money and just not really knowing anything that he would do other than just get down by his sofa and he began to pray. And he just prayed, God, would you just do something so that the light of Christ could come and so that the darkness would be pushed back. And then God brought him two people and the three of them, they got down by the same sofa and they prayed, God, just keep doing a new thing. And then the dozen came and then two dozen and then they moved to another house and they all got down on their knees every week and they just prayed, God, would you do something? And they knew that they had to get into the school, but the school district had said, you can't use our schools because you don't qualify because of this deal. And, and so they just got down by the sofas and the chairs in that person's living room and they just prayed, but God, you could do anything. We know that you could. And they just prayed week after week, would you just open up the door? and do a new thing. And then one day, the superintendent of the school district called that pastor and left him a voicemail and said, hey, I've heard about what's going on and what your request is, and why don't you just come and talk to me in person? And that next day, that pastor went in and got permission right there talking to the superintendent and walked out and they met in a school right here in this community. But they knew they couldn't stay in the, the school forever, and so they began walking around and praying on different parcels of land, saying, God, would you give us this land? And several times, God answered by telling them no, but he always left a grocery store behind. It was kind of like an Ebenezer. It was really amazing. And then God said, I have something else for you. It's even better. And they came out onto this land right here on Stubner Airline. And they walked around like crazy people, just praying, God, would you do a new thing here? And then a guy goes running down Stubner Airline, and he feels like God tells him, I have a word to tell you from God. He said, I feel like God told me to tell you this is supposed to be your land, and I don't even know who you people are. But I know it's supposed to be your land, and I'm sure you're going to face some giants, but the Lord is going to take them out, so don't shrink back. I'm here to tell you, I know he can do the next thing and a new thing in our souls because I've seen it happen in my own life. But I've realized something in the, in the I don't know, the last month or maybe two months or something that, that I need to confess. And when I say that word confess, you don't need to worry. I'm not talking about anything moral or my marriage. Everything is wonderful and Suzanne's great and the kids are great. And, um, but I have to confess something that maybe is even in a roundabout way worse than any of those sorts of things going bad if they worked, but they're not. Um, I've realized um, that in this season leading up to the present, I, solely my heart has been growing, growing uh, sort of cold and sort of faithless. And shifting from a posture of expecting the next thing to just sort of shifting into autopilot. Um, 
Sort of like I've just been going through the motions, but not really engaging in them. Um, almost kind of phoning it in. Um, still a believer, and I, of course I love Jesus, and I trust in Jesus, and the, you know, but, but it's almost like I've just been um, not wide awake, almost like I've been sleepwalking in my faith. And the malaise of, my, of, of the soul is, it's a sneaky thing, I've realized. It can encroach on you even without you realizing it. Now, I know some of you are like, well, that's strange, Ken, because well, I haven't sensed it. I mean, the last time, I mean, I, I've been here on Sundays and heard you preach, and I, I haven't sensed it. And we'll just chalk that up to God's amazing grace. Um, he's been giving me enough to deliver on Sundays. But others of you have known. Those of you who know me well, you've sensed something's not right with Ken. Something's just not quite right in his soul. And I just felt like I needed to come and confess that to the whole church today. Not that it's particularly fun to stand up and say, the one thing that you expect me to be good at, loving God and being excited about God and loving other people and being excited about them and being excited about the two meeting each other, that I haven't been so excited about that lately. But the reason I felt like I just need to share this is because, well, in several instances, I think of how Paul said to Timothy, the people need to be able to see your progress as a leader. So you have to show them your progress. And Peter said to his leaders in 1 Peter 5, lead by example. And so that's why I'm sharing all this today. Because the whole church takes on the spirit of the leader. And if I'm honest, and if I'm willing to repent, then maybe you will be as well. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. Let me back up and connect some dots because I, I suspect at this point you're like, okay, well, like I said, you know, I haven't really noticed anything. I've seen you on Sundays. And let me just go back and sort of connect some dots on, on, on I think, Maybe just the last couple of years, I've been going into, I don't know, a sort of a downward shift. And like I said, it's a gradual thing. So when did it start to dawn on you? Hey, you know, something's not popping in your soul quite the right way, Ken. I think it started back when, it was when I was preaching the series on Esther. Some of you know, but most of you don't know, we did the series, we did a series, wasn't nearly as good a series. I went back and read the series back in 2001. And they weren't that good of sermons, but I, I w was younger. And so, <laughs> but I went back and I was reading those sermons. And even as I was thinking, wow, this was like several weeks before 9-11 and this was several weeks after 9-11 and this was several weeks before I got married. Um, and I think just going back and remembering the things that God was doing inside of me, the last time that I had preached about Esther, um, 16 years earlier, I think something began to stir inside my soul then. 
And then just several weeks ago for Easter, see, we have a practice here. We, we sort of share our sermon. Whoever's the preacher does it on Tuesday, typically for the, for the staff and for the lead team to give feedback so that we don't have to work out the kinks on you. And so, um, so I read my Easter sermon that Tuesday and I looked up expecting that they were all going to say, that's awesome. It's just going to be great. And, and they looked up and they did not say that is awesome. They looked up and said, I don't know. That, are you sure that's really your best work? And I was like, I thought it's my best work. And I don't think that's quite, I don't think it hits the tone that you're really trying to hit. And, blah, blah. and they kept sending me all these encouraging notes, encouraging like, kind of like, hey, you're such a good preacher and everything, but even though this one kind of stunk, and I know it's going to be better, and you, you still got 72 hours, you know, and all these sort of, you know. <laughs> And so finally, by, by Wednesday morning, I sent out a note. I said, okay, stop, stop. Don't give me any more suggestions. I'm just going back to the drawing board. Don't worry, I shredded it. And that morning, I got down on my face. And I said, God, I don't have anything to say. And all I got is thousands of people that are going to come here on Easter. You better tell me something. And he took me to that passage about the guides on the road to Emmaus. And even as I was studying that passage about how their, their heart opened up and their mind opened up and then their eyes opened up and they saw Jesus, he started doing that inside of me. <laughs> and I felt like I'm back. I can tell something is happening inside of me. It's a good thing. And then several days later, I had breakfast with an old friend um, who I hadn't really been planning to have a breakfast with. And um, we'd been friends for a long time, and, but it, it sort of the dynamic changed in the last couple of years. And, and as they did, I think something in my soul maybe just sort of hardened up. Um, probably protectively, and, um, but over that meal, I just got to tell that friend um, the things that I sort of carried around, including a lot of blessings that I just needed to give, and I just sort of hold, held back in, and something opened up in my soul. I could just feel it happening, and then last week, I flew over to see Ben um, at the church where he is right now, out of which he's going to launch his church in, in D.C., and it's always good for my soul to be with Ben, and, because you know how much I love him, and um, count it really one of the great privileges in my life to just get to speak into his life and support him and encourage him and root for him and help him do as many great things in life and ministry as he can do for the kingdom. But on this trip, he really ministered to me. Just really starting with when he picked me up at the, at the, um, on Saturday night, and we went to dinner, and then the whole experience, just being with him last Sunday, and, and, I, and especially in the final few minutes while we were having coffee before I headed for the airport, he was 
talking about, not about me or not about us, actually about some other people in different context. But he said, you know, the interesting thing about God, Ken, is God is always, it's not so much that he's doing a new thing. It just feels new to us. But God isn't like changing. He's just doing the next thing, which if we'll move with him, feels like the new thing. And he was doing his hands like this. And he said, but the thing is, if, if we don't stay in step with him, then he continues to do the next thing. We just find ourselves back here. And even as he said that, I felt like God said, even though he's telling a story about some other people, and that was for you. And so as I've reflected on this, um, the Lord has taken me back to uh, a verse I hadn't thought about in a long time in the book of Revelation. It's in chapter 2, verse 5. Um, first, the context. You, you, um, you know, um, at the start of Revelation, Jesus is speaking to, to seven churches, seven churches that were scattered around the Mediterranean region, and he was, he was speaking a word to each of these seven churches. And he, and he started by giving them a pat on the back and saying, attaboy, and that's what you're doing really well. And, and, but then he, Jesus, would move, and then he would confront each of these churches with something he needed to say to each of those churches. The very first of those seven churches is the church that he talks to that is the church of Ephesus, the Ephesian church. And I want you to listen to what he says in Revelation 2, 2 through uh, 5. He says, I know all the things that you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. Okay? You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the works you did at first. What was he saying to those Ephesian Christians? He was saying, okay, look, I know you've been working hard. I know you've been wearing your serving shirt. I know you've persevered. I know you've suffered. I know you haven't quit. I don't have any complaints about what you've been doing. You've been working hard. The problem isn't with what you've been doing. The problem is what's been happening or not happening inside your heart. He says, this is the problem because I see your heart and your love is not what it once was. Don't you recall how it used to be, Jesus said? Don't you remember the time when your hearts were, were ablaze for me and, and how that just spilled over into all your other relationships? Oh, but what height you've fallen from, he said. But things could be set back right again. Put back the way they need to be. How? It's all in that verse, three things, three movements. The first thing he says is remember. That's the first thing he says. Remember how, how you loved me and how you loved others? Um, even the people that were jerks in your life, 
You still, just because you loved me so much, you had patience for them, and you knew they're only jerks because they don't have Jesus in their life. And so I, strangely, I even love them. Don't you remember that, he was saying? See, there's this, there's this honeymoon phase that is in our faith. When we first put our trust in Christ, we're excited and we're like, my gosh, he loves me, Jesus loves me, this I know, and oh my goodness. And there's this trans, it's, 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 well, it's like, it's like an earthly relationship, like when we're getting married and we're the, this, this engagement and then the honeymoon after you get married and it's just, everything is great, right? It's like that in the faith. But then over time, the joy of our faith begins to dissipate. And the thrill fades, and over time we begin to, to, to realize, if we're not careful, my heart has grown cold. It's not that I've um, lost my faith. I still believe what I believe. Uh, it's not that I've rescinded my salvation. No, 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 it's not that. But it's, it's something very real. It's that everything has changed inside of me, and Jesus calls it in this verse, you've lost your first love. Your first love isn't, isn't your, your, your spouse or your best friend. Your first love is him, the Lord. And, <clears throat> and when we do, you see it borne out horizontally in your relationships. Now you don't love the jerk. Now you're having a hard time loving even the people who are pretty normally lovable. Why? Because something has changed in your heart and in your first love. And that bears out in our horizontal relationships. And here's the tricky thing about it. You uh, might still be serving very faithfully. Maybe you serve food to the poor in a pantry or you mentor people or you do even things around the, the church on Sundays. And you may still be working very hard. You might still even be showing up to read your Bible every day. Um, but the marks of your passion have slowly faded and disappeared, often without your ever even noticing. And so what does Jesus say? Here's what you do. Number one, remember. Remember how it used to be. Remember. Go back, as I did, stumbling upon those old sermons that I had preached in 2001. Go back in some old prayer journals and read what you were saying and writing to the Lord. It'll seem silly and almost childish when you first trusted in Christ, but go back and just remember what was happening when he was first stirring your awareness of his love up and when you'd first come to know and trust in him. Go back and, and remember those things. And then the second thing he says, repent. What is repent? Turn around. Say, my gosh, I can't go in this direction anymore. It's time to turn around. And typically that's going to start with our horizontal relationships. That's going to, it's, certainly it's going to involve our relationship to God. But again, that's born out in our relationships. And so you can look most easily and see most manifest quickly. How am I doing in my relationships? And if you look in your relationships, you're like, oh my gosh, they're all a train wreck. Maybe that's a sign that you've lost your first love because when your heart is is shed abroad with the love of God like Romans 5.5 5 says. 
It spills over into your relationships. And so you're going to have to confess that. And you're going to have to repent of that. And you're going to have to go and reconcile with some people perhaps. And that means like you're going to have to actually do something as a result of the fact you heard this sermon that you weren't expecting on having to do. Because you just thought, well, that'll be enough until I come back the next time. But he's saying, no, 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 this was a different day. Today is a new day. He says, I want you to remember how it used to be in your walk with me. I want you to repent. And then I want you to return. Return to what? Return to the works you did at first. Return to, sometimes the best thing that we can do is go back to what worked when we were first getting going, right? Incidentally, that works great on, that's why we take trips with our spouses, right? To sort of remember, this is why I love you so much, right? It applies in this sermon as well. Remember how it was when you were first coming to know the love of God. Return to those things. If there was a devotional practice that you do, or maybe you were doing the, the soap, uh, and you're like, this is really weird. Every time I show up and I do my soap, it's like God shows up, and why did I get away from doing? Well, you can return to that. Or I used to write down prayer requests, and I, I used to go back and write even the days or a little check mark when God answered them, and then I just put that away, and I didn't do that anymore, and I don't really pray anymore. Well, maybe you need to get the prayer journal out. It's, and start returning to those things. And, and you used to show up for the great assembly, for worship, and you were expecting God's gonna do something. I know he's gonna do something here. But then you just started sort of over time showing up here and there cavalierly, hit or miss, and sort of sneak, sneaking in maybe 15, 20 minutes late, and, but not with expectancy. Maybe it's time to return to the great assembly with some expectancy in your heart. Just with that sense in your soul, I know God's getting ready to do something. I don't know what he's going to do, but I know he's going to show up and he's going to meet with us here. Why? Because I've seen him do it time and time again. Maybe it's time for us to return to our first love. Now, let me anticipate. Some of you who are newer, I know this because I, I hear some of your testimonies at the celebrations that we have for new members. And, and, and so let me just anticipate. Some, some of you are sitting there going, oh my gosh, I feel like so confused. Like I came into this private family moment that I probably shouldn't have come in on. And because I already thought this was like the greatest church and the best church that we've ever been to. And, and it's helped me so much and my kids so much, and our family, and our marriage. It's, it's just so great. And and, and so what do you got for me? Here's what I got for you. Don't worry. If you were liking how it already was, it's only going to get better. The best is yet to come. If we're really clicking on all our cylinders and our souls are all lit ablaze with the love of the Lord, it's only going to get better. And because God wants to wake us up. The speed of the team never surpasses the team of the leader. And so my goal is now to get out in front where you have to catch up with me again in your spiritual growth, in your spiritual formation. But here's what I want you to imagine. Just imagine how it will be when that happens as we come in here as sort of coals getting stoked in the fire Asking God, would you do a new thing, the next thing in our souls? 
What, just imagine, well, we started even this week on Tuesday praying. Imagine what we'll be like, staff, when we're not just going through the list saying, would you please, please change some things around in your busy life? I know that you've already put in your time, but we really need a leader. And rather when we're not begging for one or two people to be leaders of grow groups or discipleship teams, but when we have a hundred people Let's pray, God, would you give us 100 people? Because we need 100 new grow groups to get all the people connected around here and discipleship microgroups that we have. We need where you do discipleship in little small groups. We need 100 new leaders. And we've got them. The good news is we've got them. I even know a lot of their names. I also know they have been following my example and sort of got spun out off to the side and have gotten distracted and sort of gotten busy and said, hey, you know, we put in our time and now we, you know, we try to drop in once a month and this sort of thing. And, you know, but we still love God. No, 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 that's, that's not it. That I, what I'm calling us to is to come back to our first love and to say until he comes or takes me, whichever is first, I got to get back in the game. I got to help some people come along in their faith. I need to call the church this week and say, I'm sorry. I confess. I've been sitting around just doing nothing, just collecting toys or working on the yard or things like that. It's time to come back. Imagine what had happened, friends, if we showed up here on Sundays. Um, again, not like zombies, but actually we were here on time and we were treasuring what the psalmist called the great assembly, ready, anticipating, saying God is going to do something here. So sort of like when, you, when you're playing a sport and you show up knowing this is gonna be good, and after it is good, you go back and you even go to practice. Worship is practice, right, for the real thing which we're gonna to get to do someday in his presence. So the psalmist said in, in 2225, I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. In Psalm 49, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly because Psalm 82, one, God presides in the great assembly. And so here's what I really feel like the Lord was, just kind of gave me this picture. Why does Easter have to be like this, wow, why don't we just make that the norm and then let God do a different wow on the next Easter? What if we just had every Sunday like Easter. I felt like God said, it's time for you to do that. There's, I'm not gonna hold you back, God's saying. Okay, and so, um, and, and the, I wanna talk to those of you at the Woodlands campus. Hi guys up in the Woodlands campus, okay? So you've been working so hard and I love getting to go up there about once a month, um, which using our team gives me the chance to do and see all that you're doing, but you cannot stay in Colson Tough forever. That's a great school and we love them and we're being a blessing to them. But you know and I know, you can't stay there. We gotta get out and start marching around on some land and maybe God will leave some grocery stores to mark the places that weren't supposed to be ours, but we'll eventually find the place that's supposed to be ours. And, and not just up in the woodlands, but I felt like the Lord has been saying, and it's time for us 
to get some property or to, to take in a building and refurbish it and repurpose it down near our offices for the Bridging for Tomorrow. You know, we have 10 staff down there running Bridging for Tomorrow. That's, a, that's our ministry that does a lot of Matthew 25 outreach to the least and the last and the Title I schools and all. And we, but I've been feeling like the Lord says, why don't you have a church for the people then? You meet their, their, for their needs during the week, but then you, they don't have, you're not there on Sunday. And I think we need to have a place where we start a campus or a new church down there as well. And then we have a lot of people and they come from Tomball or Cyprus and I've been feeling like the Lord said, well, why don't you just do a campus there and get some new things going in those areas as well. And then back here on the home front, I've, I've been feeling like the Lord said, it's time for you to go ahead and bring that little thought that, I, that, you, that I've been carrying in my soul about the amphitheater that, that, that needs to be here on our, on our campus that has the baptism pool at the bottom of it where we can do our baptisms. It's just going to be so great. But I've just kind of held it in like it's been snuffed under a bushel basket. But I got to let it out and just tell you, this is going to come. It's time for us to go for that. And I think it's also time for us to get back to that missions building, that student ministry building that we had talked about. We got to start, we got to start doing some, some new things because God is saying, hey, I'm going on to the next thing. And I'm saying here today, I want to go with you, Lord. My question is to you, will you come too? That's my question. My challenge. Amen. My challenge is this. As I've been pondering all of this, it's occurred to me. Our souls can only take one of two postures. Our souls can only take the posture of recession or the posture of revival. But you don't really stay on a plateau. So the question I want you to ask right now is, is my soul slipping into recession or revival. Now, some of you are in revival. Some of you have even told me, I have been praying for you, Ken, and the Lord has finally answered, there really is a God in heaven. I'm seeing it today. Well, thank you for praying. Keep praying for me. Some of you are in revival, but I fear that a lot of you, maybe your souls are in recession right now. And some of you, and, I, and here's what I want to challenge. Some of you are even saying, but I think this is just where I need to be right now. You know, I think I would have said that a month or two ago myself. I think I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. It's good. But you know, the psalmist in Psalm 42, um, he, he, he teaches us a lesson. And the lesson is either your soul is going to preach to you or you can preach to your soul. And so the psalmist is, is, is saying, you know, here I'm, I'm downcast and this is just sort of where I am. But then, as he's rehearsing some things, things begin to come to life, and he starts, it's like he takes his soul and says, wait a second, I've listened to you enough, soul. Now I'm going to preach to you. Why should I be downcast, oh my soul? And maybe some of you just need to go and bring your soul out, and you need to preach to your soul a new message the message of life, the message of the gospel, again, that you would be touched by the reality of, of the fact that God loved us so much that he would send his own son 
to live the life of perfection that you and I don't live so that he could die the death of punishment that you and I deserve so that he could rise victorious so that we could rise to life with him not to become zombies eventually but eventually to continue pushing the powers of darkness back and taking the message of God's word and hope and grace and life and love into the community and into the world and so maybe the challenge for you today is it's time for you to preach to your soul. That's what I'm hoping that you will do. Now, in our final moments, I wanna pray. And I'm just gonna lead you in a few minutes of, of guided uh, prayer. I'm gonna just keep doing that. We're not gonna sign off on the other rooms. I'm still gonna just lead all of you in all the rooms right now. So would you bow your head right now? And um, let's just go to the Lord and uh, let's talk with him right now. Lord, you know um, how much I would like uh, for the work that you've been doing in my soul the last couple of months uh, to spread like wildfire into the hearts of every person hearing me in all our rooms today. I'm praying that you would do that that you would just show up right now in power and that you would lay your hand upon each person's heart, even now. Friends, if you are hearing my voice and you are inclined to say, you know, I think maybe my soul's been a little bit in recession as well. Um, I think maybe I've been um, walking around in my sleep spiritually, and it's time, it's time to do the next thing. It's time for, for me to wake up. I'm gonna ask you, would you just raise your hand? In all of our rooms right now, just heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You just raise your hand, you say, yep, that's me. Good, good, wow, okay, good. Raise your hand in all our rooms. Lord, you see every hand that's raised right now in all of our rooms and i'm just praying god that you would do a new thing that you would touch us that you would wake us up that you would pour out the 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 fire that burns hot that would stoke our coals and that you would just um <laughs> and i'm praying god also because i just sense there's a lot of people who even though many raised their hands, who said, eh, I'm not gonna raise my hands because I'm kind of embarrassed. But that really is me too. I'm praying for them too. God, you just do a new thing in them, Lord. Wake them up. Bring us out of our slumber that we might have a vibrant walk with you, Jesus. Now you put your hands down and I, I wanna pray for a different group of people right now because I suspect there's some of you who are like okay this was interesting I don't know exactly what it was but um, it was at least interesting and but you know as I was thinking about it even now it occurs to me that might be because you've always been on the outside looking in um, you have never really come into the to the circle of faith to begin with. you've never really trusted in Christ even to start with. Um, and so this is going to just be 
uh, a little different if you've always been on the outside looking in than it is for those of us who've been on the inside and say, yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about. So my invitation to you is even now, would you just open up your heart to Jesus Christ, the one who gives us that good news that I just articulated about how he came and lived that life for us and, and then rose again after dying for our sins? If you say, yep, yeah, I need to have Jesus, I want to have Jesus inside of me right now, I want you to raise your hand. Would you just, right now in this room, you just raise your hand. Amen. Good. Good. Wonderful. Good. All right. Praise the Lord. Lord, thank you for a new thing that you're doing in our midst, in all of our rooms right now. Now, Lord, I want to pray for one other category of people that just I just haven't prayed aloud for in a long time, but it's high time. There's any number of people in our midst, and they need healing. And they certainly need healing of their souls, which we've talked about. But one of the ways that sometimes you show up, and it just reinforces our faith, is when you heal our bodies or our minds or our relationships. You do a healing. And so in Jesus' name, I'm asking God, would you show up now and you do a healing that you would just touch people, even in ways that not even very long ago, I heard a person's testimony, how the doctor said, this is really strange. I don't know how you explain it. And the person smiled at me and said, it's because so many of us have been praying. God did a work. Lord, I just have a sense you want to do that. And so right now, friends, if you're hearing my voice and in, these, uh, in this moment right now in all our rooms, you say, I need healing, that's me. Would you raise your hand? Good, great, wonderful. Lord, you see every hand that is raised in this room that I'm in and in the other rooms as well. I don't know what their needs are. Maybe they have big bad things like cancer or they have heart disease or other sorts of things. Uh, maybe it's things like, like headaches um, and just this perpetual discomfort and this pain that goes with them through life. Maybe it's in their relationships. Maybe it's with a, a marriage um, or a friendship that has dried up. Um, and sometimes those kind of things even manifest in, in, our, in our physical bodies. And our bodies start breaking down even when our relationships have been breaking down. God, I, whatever it is that has every person raising their hand right now, I'm just asking God that you would do a healing, that you would touch them even today, that today you would do the next thing. You can put your hands down. So Lord, um, now I'm praying just for us corporately. Um, there's, um, I'm sure plenty of other things I could have said, but I think I've said the things that you wanted me to say today. I'm grateful, Lord, for the work that you're doing inside of me. And again, I'm asking God that it will be the start of a new thing that you're going to do throughout us here at Faith Bridge. And I pray your blessings on each one of these people. Bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Postscript. 
Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, Grove Group and Discipleship Director here at FaithBridge, and I'm here with founding pastor Ken Orline, who just brought us a word from Revelation 2.5, but really more than that, Ken, you brought us a testimony of what God's doing in your soul. Yeah. And uh, I know I've talked to so many since that um, just examining our own souls from what you went through has led to such a revival and um, just felt like God opened our eyes too to things uh, today. Um, I just want to ask you a couple questions. It, sure. it, it was a different kind of sermon, so this is going to be a different kind of postscript. Sure. Uh, we'll just chat about it. Um, talk to me though about um, as if maybe I was a skeptic who was in the room today. Hmm. Maybe I'm new to Faith Bridge, don't know you that well, hmm. or um, don't have a lot of experience with church. Hmm. Um, I might be led to to not really understand this or think, sure. um, so just mustering no. this up because he wants something from us or he's going <laughs> to ask something for us. Yeah. Um, no. yeah, right. Yeah. No, that's very fair. Um, I tried to talk to that person even in the end when we were praying, especially the person who's skeptical because they've never stepped into the circle of faith in the first place. Um, talk of God things in our souls is never going to make sense if one tries to understand it from the outside looking in. And so I would say, first of all, if the skeptical person is coming from a, a pre-Christian place, then my word is you need Jesus. Come to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Um, but what about the skeptic who's like, no, no, I have Jesus. Um, but part of me was feeling like I'm a little on the outside looking in, mm -hmm. trying to figure out, okay, what is going on inside of him? Or is he just really mustering up the energy? Is that sort of the question? Well, I would say simply, if you know me well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that good. <laughs> I tend to be pretty transparent about, uh, what's up and what's down and what's here and what's there and kind of what's going on in my soul, uh, which is a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing as I shared in the message today, because I shudder to think, uh, if there's been a malaise in my soul, how many people may have sort of taken their lead, if not actively, passively from me, and how uh, perhaps as a church even, there's been a sluggishness. I talked to a couple just after service, came up crying, hugging me, known me forever, and I them, and they said, you just have no idea. We were just thinking we've got to leave the church, um, and we've been praying and praying and praying, and then look at this, and we repent because we didn't ever come and talk to you. And I said, you know, the thing is, if you'd have come and talked to me, I probably would have looked at you like, Oh, they're going through something. And just, I don't think my soul was in a point mm -hmm. to comprehend. So sometimes the Lord just has to do, uh, sort of touch a person's mm -hmm. soul. Um, 
I don't have, uh, but no, I have no agenda. I wasn't even planning on preaching the sermon, as you well know, because uh, you were in that meeting. Uh, the sermon was going to be somebody else, but everybody just came out of the staff link meeting and said, you just, you have to share that because it's real and it's fresh and it's just what God is doing inside of you. So I, I don't have anything to prove and I couldn't prove it even if I did, other than just to say, no, this is just kind of my testimony and, and what's going on inside of me. Um, uh, in terms of where does it go? Yeah, what, uh, that was gonna be my next question. Yeah, so yeah, what's sure. next for faith? Yeah, well, right, I don't know, but it's gonna be exciting. Um, I think, uh, I really have been living with Revelation 2.5, this whole concept of remembering, repenting, and returning to what you once knew and what you once did. And, um, and so I think maybe that's the sequence that we're going to follow corporately, um, you know, as a congregation, re remembering, repenting, and uh, returning. I think one of the fastest ways and most measurable uh, of returning is just right here in what I was pointing out, the great assembly. Mm -hmm. The psalmist talks about the great assembly right here in worship. Just, okay, um, there's, there's a lot of uh, pathways that we cross paths with, but never do all of them converge like worship. That's where most everybody has some touch point with us and we with them. And so I think um, objective number one for me is we've got to focus on our worship service. It's, that has to do with what's going into the, them on our end, the, the production, the planning side of that um, and the preparation for that. But it has to do with the congregation as well in the, in the showing up not like zombies. Yeah, well, the expectation that, yeah. that God is going to do ready. something. I don't know what yeah. he's going to do, but I'm going to yeah. and, and which really was mm -hmm. how uh, some of us remember worship every Sunday when we were in the school or even when we'd moved in here, but on the new side. And I, I think that's probably the, the most mm -hmm. measurable thing I could say right now. Because um, I don't want to get lost in the doing mm -hmm. because you, we're a good doing church. There's a lot of people that are still doing a lot of things and serving. Several of them came up and hugged me and they, they, they do, 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 do. But they said, oh, that was so good for my soul because I realized I've been lulled into this sort of sleepwalking of the soul myself and I've been losing my first love as well. Hadn't affected their serving because mm -hmm. they're good, faithful, dependable souls that they're just going to show up out of duty. So that's why I don't, I, I hesitate to say so, and here's step two and here's step three, and because right. then we'll just start doing. And I don't, I think, mm -hmm. you know, in my own personal soul, I think um, sort of next steps are just a, a reinvigorated walk with the Lord, mm -hmm. which when I am doing well, always manifests in my leadership. And, um, and so uh, uh, I'm not scrambling for, uh, you know, a, a new target on the wall. Let's run out and hit that. But uh, rather, no, I'm going in to my closet with mm -hmm. the Lord, the prayer closet, like he said, and I'm just going to spend time with him and let him, and he'll, in time, he'll tell me what the 
next, next. practical yeah. steps are, are visible, tangible steps that we take as a body are. I think uh, for now though, for today, let's focus on worship, uh, coming back to the great assembly and uh, seeing that re reinvigorated and revitalized. Um, that's probably enough for today. It's an exciting time. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, and uh, as more, I know as more people continue to pray in this way that God is going to mm -hmm. reveal even more. Yep. And um, so we wait in expectation. That's right. All mm -hmm. right. Well, thank you for your honesty and sure. transparency. Um, sure. I know that God will use it. Amen. All right. And thank Thanks. you for joining us here for Postscript. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org slash postscript.